You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey guys, welcome back to The Devoted Podcast. Hey, I'm excited today. We have got an interview today with Kimberly Smith, who I'm going to tell you right now, I am the very proud sister-in-law of this crazy, amazing woman. And I've asked her to come on to share her story, which she would be the first to say is the Lord's story of her marriage and pretty radical, amazing story, guys. I love how in Psalm 107.2, it tells us that let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And that's what this story is. But I wanted to give you a little bit of a disclaimer too, because this is a not for all audiences, perhaps. I don't want you, if you've got little kids around, I just want you to have a heads up that this might be something you want your earbuds for so you don't have any you know, questions about things that you might not be ready for. So just wanted to throw that out there. But I think you're gonna be really blessed and encouraged by this. So I'll just, we'll just pop into this interview. Today, I am so excited to have family. How weird is this? But I have got my sister-in-law sitting with me today, Kimmy Smith. I almost called you McReynolds. That's really weird. (laughs) Known her as Smith for a long time. But I'm excited for you guys to hear the story that the Lord has given her. And first of all, just thank you, Kimmy, for doing this, because I know this is hard. It drudges up stuff, you know, it's tough. So thank you for being willing to do this. And I'm going to just basically let Kimmy give her story. And then we're going to, I'll kind of chime in here and there. But I want you guys to hear, hopefully, just what the redemption story is that the Lord has done. This is a miracle story that you guys are about to hear. I hope you're going to be encouraged by it, but it's pretty remarkable. We serve a really big God. Thank you so much for having me. I've actually never publicly shared our story before. We've shared it with individuals in our small group. So this is hard stuff to talk about. It's hard for me to look back on that time and see the person that I was, even though it was 14 years ago now, which praise the Lord. But I do think that the contrast between then and now really speaks to what God is capable of doing in our lives when we're obedient and it proves that he's still in the business of performing miracles our marriage was one that was destroyed by lies and selfishness and betrayal we were both unfaithful which meant that we actually even had biblical grounds for divorce we absolutely could have thrown in the towel walked away people in the church would have even said that we were justified in doing that but god had other plans he truly made beauty from our ashes, so I, I feel really humbled and honored to share what we went through, and I really hope that it will help others who are struggling. So my husband and I met in high school, actually. He was a senior and I was a sophomore, and we just became really good friends for about seven years. We were close friends before we started dating. And then we dated for a year and got engaged and got married in July of 2000. So our 20th anniversary is in a couple weeks. And because we had been friends for so long before we started dating, we kind of assumed that we knew everything about each other. We just figured, you know, there were no skeletons in the closet, so to speak. Right. (laughs) And even though we both were raised in Christian homes, we both were saved at a young age, we were kind of going through the motions of 
reading our Bibles, going to church every Sunday. We were praying together as a married couple, doing devotions, kind of everything that sort of looks good on the outside, everything that you quote unquote are supposed to do. But secretly, we had carved off these parts of our lives that we really were unwilling to fully surrender to Christ. And when you live that way, you're basically leaving the door wide open for Satan to come in and pretty much have his way. Mm. And as we learned, (laughs) following Jesus wholeheartedly requires a radical submission to him. And that means every single part of our lives. We can't follow our own agenda and simultaneously follow him. It just does not work. So about two years into our marriage, we started to have some problems. And I really started to think, you know, I maybe I didn't follow God's will in marrying him. Maybe I married the wrong person. I kind of believed the lie that the world wants us to believe, which is you deserve to be happy. And the world tells us that we should look for our happiness in someone else. Yeah, (laughs) there's that famous line from Jerry Maguire where he says, you complete me. And it's this grand gesture statement that, you know, won the heart of the girl. But the truth is, there is only one person who can and should complete us. And that is Jesus Christ. And if we look for another human being to complete Mm -hmm. us, they're going to let us down. They're going to fail. So I definitely fell into that trap of wanting that, you know, soulmate type person that would complete me and fulfill all my needs. So after our honeymoon phase wore off, I just started thinking that the man I married could never give me what I wanted. And I began to make compromises, specifically in my work environment. When I was traveling for work, in my office, I started seeking validation from people that I was working with. And I really started valuing their approval more than that of my husband Mm. and it was such a slippery slope and i think this happens with so many people they fall into this trap of just not setting appropriate boundaries in their work environments which can seem totally harmless at first you know we all want to be accepted we all want to be liked we all want to be successful but again this is just how satan works and it's in that subtlety And the truth is that those small compromises can lead you down a dangerous road, which is how a lot of affairs begin. And that's exactly what happened to me. Now, at the same time that I was making my own poor choices, meanwhile, and unbeknownst to me, my husband was deep in a decade-long battle with pornography. And it became a huge struggle for him all through high school, all through college, into his adult life. And it was something he, you know, he knew it was wrong. He was ashamed of it. So he kept it completely hidden from everyone. I don't know that he even, like his guy friends, I don't know, even knew about it. Mm -hmm. It was hidden from me while we were dating in the early years of our marriage through what little premarital counseling we had. Like none of this came out. So when things became strained between us in our marriage, he started to give into that temptation more and more. And it eventually took him down a path that led to him having an affair with another woman. So in 2006, so that's six years into our marriage, was when everything really came crashing down and the truth came out. When I was little, my mom used to always say to us, your sin will always find you out. <laughs> and we hated that so much, but it was, it's true. It's in that's the Bible. A, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what happened. I look back on it now and I see that 
the Lord allowed our sins to come to light, all of our sins, both of our sins, for a purpose. And it was probably the worst day of my life. And I'm sure my husband would say the same thing. Because not only was there this just tremendous blow of what my husband had done to betray me, which I was completely blindsided by, but I was also dealing with the shame and horror of my own infidelity being revealed. And it just, it felt like an atomic bomb had gone off. And, you know, we sat there and looked around us and it was destruction and desolation and there was nothing left. You know, it's an interesting thing when you've been sinning for a long time and keeping it a secret and you finally get caught because yes, there is this feeling of terror and shame that your secret's been revealed, but then there's also this immense relief, which sounds Mm. odd, but at least there was for me. And I think my husband would say the same thing. Even though you don't want anyone to know, we, you know, we were living these secret lives that had been discovered. I think when we were both found out, there was just like, it was almost like a burden was lifted in a way. Didn't have to hide. Yeah, there was no more hiding. There was no more, you know, living in fear of being found out. It was just all out in the open. So in a way, it was freeing. (laughs) But my heart really, at that point, was so hardened. I had no desire to stay married or to forgive my husband or to reconcile. I just really wanted out. I wanted a divorce. I actually went down to the courthouse. I filed for divorce. I served him with papers. And I thought, you know, in a sense, I was relieved by his unfaithfulness because I thought, oh, good, now I have like a biblical reason that I can divorce him. But surprisingly, my husband did not want a divorce. He said, I still want to be married to you, even with the knowledge of what I'd done. But I just couldn't fathom it. I, you know, we both had been unfaithful. I knew he was going to have this ongoing battle with pornography that he could potentially have for his whole life. I thought this is too much to deal with. I don't, there was too much damage that had been done. There was too much hurt. It just seemed like healing was totally impossible. So I, I was done. Hmm. Now my family who, if you know the McReynolds family, it's an awesome (laughs) family. (laughs) They stepped in at this point and they really urged me to reconsider. And they were kind enough to send me away by myself for a few days to the beach to think and to pray and to seek God's will. And I agreed to do that. And I'll never forget driving over to the coast because in my mind I was thinking, this is a total waste of time. I already know what I want. This is pointless. I want to get divorced and there's no way I'm going to change my mind. Right. So even though I wasn't walking closely with the Lord at this time, I was raised in a way that I knew what was right. I knew what the scriptures said. And I knew I didn't want to go against God because I know that does not end well. So I thought, you know, I've promised that I'll use this time to seek the Lord. So that's what I'm going to do so that when I come back, I can say, okay, I did it. And now I'm still going to do what I want to (laughs) do. Like checking the box kind of thing. Yeah. But it wasn't even a day that had passed, not even 24 hours after I got to the beach, that God started chipping away at my hardened heart. And less than 24 hours, I knew that what I wanted was actually the opposite of what God wanted. And pretty much the entire second day was spent bargaining with God, asking, is this really what you want? Are you sure? 
And then there was a grieving period where the Lord really opened my eyes to my sin, to what I had done, the hurt that I had caused. And I think I just, you know, it was that godly sorrow. I think I just cried for like eight hours straight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was rough. When you come face to face with the ugliness like that, you know, of your sin and the weight of it all, it just feels unbearable. But God was so merciful. He did not let that consume me. He did not let me wallow in that pain and that shame. I really felt him speak to me and say, you know, I forgive you. I can cleanse you of this. You can walk out of this. And I want to do something miraculous, but you have got to follow me. And that had to be an amazing moment to even there's got to be the head part of you going, no, 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 like this is way too much. This is because like you're saying, all the world, everybody else would tell you that, no, you've you've checked the biblical box. You've checked every box. You should just be able to walk away from this. So it's amazing to me the ways in which the Lord gave you that fortitude, I guess, to be able to like, no, I'm going to continue to pursue you, Lord. Yeah even with all of this other noise. I, that always amazed me. It, it was really supernatural. I mean, yeah. I have to say that there is no other, I could absolutely not have done any of that on my own strength. Mm-hmm. There is just no other explanation for it mm-hmm. than that it was the Lord giving me the strength I needed and giving me the determination yeah. too. When I was so determined in the absolute opposite direction. Right, right. So for him to change that in me was, it really was nothing short of a miracle. And I do, I remember that moment in my hotel room so vividly because I don't think I've ever felt the presence of God as tangibly as I did that day. I literally felt like he was in the room with me Mm. physically and I knew what he was calling me to do, but I still didn't know how. I thought, okay, maybe I can forgive, maybe, but how am I going to stay married when I don't feel love for this man? I don't Mm. feel in love anymore. I don't feel like I'm attracted to him, you know, all of these things. And so I just started praying and asking God, you know, if if this is what you are calling me to do, you're going to have to help me. You know, I need for you mm-hmm. to give me a renewed desire for my husband. And the Lord led me to so many verses in the Bible about asking. Like Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin. First mm-hmm. John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And there were so many more. Those are just two of the ones that I remember And by the way, you can't just pray and recite those words. Right, right. You have to pray believing. You have to pray desiring God's will. Yeah. You can't just say it out loud and then sort of walk away. (laughs) I really still didn't understand how he was going to transform my heart, but I knew that he was calling me to ask and to be willing. So I did, and I just basically asked for him to work a miracle. And he answered that prayer. At the end of the week, my husband drove out to the beach to be with me, and it was such an unbelievable moment because this was the man who just weeks earlier, I felt like I couldn't even look in the eyes because of what we had done to each other. And I suddenly felt this incredible compassion towards him and this really unexplained, renewed love for. God gave me this gift of really being able to see him 
not just as my husband, but as a brother in Christ who was just as flawed and as human as I was, but who was also holy and dearly loved. Mm. And someone who I, you know, came to realize the Lord had handpicked for us to be together. And here was this man who was not only willing to forgive me for the awful things that I had done, but who was really choosing to keep me as his wife in spite of it all. And that was very humbling. (laughs) We spent a few days at the beach. We were able to reconcile. We prayed together and we recognized that God was calling us to some really hard work ahead of us. And um, before we left to drive back to Portland, we went out and stood on the beach and drew a line in the sand. And we held hands and prayed and we just said, God, this marriage is yours now. We're no longer going to live for ourselves. We are going to fully surrender every part of our lives to you. And that means going where you call us to go, doing what you want us to do, no matter the cost. And we just said we would never go back to who we were before. We would never again consider divorce as an option. And that basically there was no turning back. Mm. So we stepped over that line in the sand and uh, we have never looked back since that day. Mm. It's funny because earlier in our marriage, we actually have terms for it. We call it old marriage and new marriage. So in our old marriage, when you know, I would think about the idea of surrendering everything to God. There was this fear of losing control, and I'm kind of a control freak anyway. It's just my personality. But the irony is that there's actually so much more freedom that comes when we surrender. And I think that was something I didn't really realize until that day on the beach. When we pick up our cross and follow Christ and completely give everything to him, we don't have to worry because we are trusting our lives to a savior who is sovereign and who is all knowing and who has far better plans for us than anything that we could try to create for ourselves. I love that verse in second Peter one, three, where it says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Mm. So It's not that we're trying to do it on our own strength. He is going to give us absolutely everything that we need. And there are so many blessings that we would have missed out on if we had chosen not to follow his plan for our lives. If we had said, no, this is too much hard work. I'm too hurt, too angry, too bitter. I don't feel in love with you. We never would have had our son who was born two years later. We would never have had the privilege of the Lord calling us into ministry. And we would never have seen how he could use our story to help others. Ten years after that day on the beach, we had the opportunity to begin mentoring engaged couples, newly marrieds, and couples who are in crisis in their marriages. Just one-on-one mentoring with them through our church where we lived in New York. And it was a wonderful experience to be able to do that and to be able to see how our story could help others. You know, they, that verse in Matthew seven fourteen that says, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. That is so true because we have seen so many couples. It doesn't matter if you've been married a short time or it's been 20 years. Yeah, There are couples who fall into this trap and it's not many that can make it out. <laughs> yeah, And it really comes down to 
a willingness to deny yourself and to be willing to do the hard work that God's called us to do. It's, if you're listening to this and you're all just like, you you might've been holding your breath for a second as you listen to that, because I don't know if I've ever got to hear another story like yours that ends the way yours does or is continuing the way yours yours does. And it's, like I said at the beginning of this, this is a big God we're talking about because this is not something that a human can go, oh yeah, I did that and I can take credit for that. Right. And his handprints are just all over this. And it was one of the reasons I asked Kimmy to come and do this is because I think that there are a lot of marriages out there who are right there. They're right on that brink of thinking we are too far gone. The Lord can't save ours. We can't do this. Or, But there's so many pieces that you touched on in there. And, and I've asked Kimmy, she's going to talk about some things on protecting your marriage too mm-hmm. in just a second. But just to bring you guys back to like, think of the things that were there already of the surrender piece. Mm-hmm. I think that one was a really big one because that's something that whether you're dealing, you're in a marriage where you feel like this isn't going, there's so many things that we personally just don't want to 100% surrender and let that thing go. But it was interesting. You don't think that as much freedom comes from that when you do that, but that is exactly what the Lord has and the yoke that he wants to give us as opposed to the one we want to carry all the time. But I, when I think of that picture of who is going to carry that yoke of you trying to battle through your marriage and make it happen or giving it to the Lord and totally surrendering your thing and letting him carry that, that would have had a different ending. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, but it just speaks to the, how powerful the Lord is. He is so mighty to save in these things. And we think that there's something that there must be a cap on that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it can't be infidelity in a marriage. That's way too far. It can't be whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. but we're all in our culture tells us that those are just things you just don't go there. Like that's just not possible. You've reached the impossible. And sadly, divorces within the church are right there with where they are with the unchurched. I mean, it's barely percentage wise below. And that's tragic because we have the Lord that we can surrender those things to and make whatever those problems are and find that victory that the Lord has. So Kimmy has, they have definitely done some work and i know you guys have really had to you know set your guard around Mm -hmm. so just talk about some of the things that if if there are a couple out there that maybe either there's there's two camps there's the ones that think they're too far gone and Mm -hmm. that they can't but before we get to those maybe we should talk about the ones maybe you're not there yet yeah but what can you do where you're at right now that you're bringing the battle like this is our marriages are not just going to happen you have to be intentional about this stuff so talk about the things that we can do that can kind of shore up our marriages before we get to that point even yeah and this goes for like if you're engaged i think this is a great way to Mm -hmm. set your marriage off on the right foot or newly married or whatever or even you know if you're 10 years in these are it's never too late to start a new practice and a new discipline Mm -hmm. And great marriages definitely take hard work and sacrifice and intention. And, you know, I think so many people hear stories. uh, I'm sure people listening to our story would be like, oh, my gosh, that could never happen to us. But we've seen this happen to so many couples, Christian couples. And the statistics on partners who have been sexually unfaithful in their relationships are around 25% for women and 50% for men. Wow. 
And the stats actually increase 10 to 15% more if you include emotional infidelity in Mm. that. It's staggering. It really is. If you are not purposeful and continually doing the work, it can be so easy to make exceptions and make justifications for things that may seem small and insignificant at first. But again, that's exactly how Satan works. And there is a huge spiritual warfare piece of this. And I don't go into, I'm not going to probably have time to go into that today, but that is a huge part of this. Satan loves to destroy families and to tear marriages apart. And he is actively working to do that. Yeah. And he will look for any tiny opening to try and get a foothold. And if you give him an inch, he will take a mile. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite scriptures that points to this is Proverbs 4.23 Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Mm. And that's, you know, the best offense is a good defense. Mm -hmm. Some things that we, when we came back from the beach, started doing was number one, setting up strict boundaries for our marriage, for us as individuals as well. And the idea here is just to prevent you from even getting into a situation where you could be tempted. Right. And, you know, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen talks about how God will always give us a way out, mm. but we have to have the eyes to see it and we have to be willing to take that exit. Right. So some of the specific things that we did, we were both working in office environments at separate offices. So we said, you know, we're not going to have any one-on-one time with any member of the opposite sex. So that means um, if, you know, I was a manager at the time, if I needed to have a meeting with one of my team members who was a male, I wouldn't do it like I'm not like, oh, let's go out to lunch, just the two of us and talk. Mm. Not a good idea. No drinking in social settings. That's a huge part of a lot of office, you know, let's go out to happy hour. And when you're on business trips, um, same thing. So no drinking in social settings when your spouse is not present. That was something that we set up intentionally. And for my husband, he traveled a lot more than I did for work. And because pornography was a big struggle for him, he started you know, every hotel room has a TV in it. So he would go to the front desk and hand them the remote and just say, I don't want, you know, or, or he would even ask to have the TV taken out of his room. Wow. Which, and again, a lot of these things are going to sound drastic and crazy to the world. Mm -hmm. But when you know, something is a struggle of yours, why even have the temptation there in front of you? Why not just completely eliminate it? Yeah. So for him, that really was just a no-brainer. And he didn't care if people thought it was weird. Yeah. It was what he knew he needed to do to set himself up to succeed. Well, and it's a couple of things. It's like saying that your marriage matters that much. Like we, we're right. not going to care about that. But even before you had to do that, I would imagine coming back from the beach, there was that moment you had to cut off the old like the old sin and like make no provision for that too. I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure that because yeah. that had been kind of your life for a while yeah. I mean, because I, I do hear sometimes stories where there isn't a full cutting away, mm-hmm. I guess, of allowing for any outlet for that. Like some of these things, these are going to protect you going forward. But there is that moment, yeah. too, that there has to be like a serious hard stop yeah. and cutting away of the things that were past, too. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And we, and we did do that. You know, I had to break off friendships, you mm-hmm. know, that I recognized were sort of supporting and endorsing the things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a different job. Yeah. And well, you guys even ended up moving like we, to a yeah. different house. We did. We moved completely yeah. across town. Yeah. It took a completely different area because one of the you know, gathering spots for the people that I was spending time with was very near our house. Yeah. And it just, you know, it just didn't feel like a very safe place to be. And again, I know that like, like you were saying, people are going to think that sounds like so extreme and, and all Mm -hmm. of that. And I, and I get that. And maybe that's not what everyone is going to add, you know, what the Lord would ask everyone to do. But I think it's important to show that there's that willingness to submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, do you even want us to do that? Do you want us to even be totally, you know, hardcore about like you're saying the lunch meeting thing, or if it's even leaving this house and moving to a different area or leaving a job, like that is the, our part in it. That's the obedience piece of, and you guys did, you sought the Lord about those things and you felt like this is what he was saying. No, you do that thing. Yeah. And he totally blessed it, but those were even in themselves really hard things to do. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I, another thing I'm just going to talk about here since we're on the topic is that, you know, we became really strict about what movies and Mm -hmm. TV shows we watched, what kinds of books we read, what kind of music we were listening to even. And again, this was another thing that we just put before the Lord and we just felt convicted Mm -hmm. by a lot of those things that we had been consuming. And I think, you know, the world wants you to think that stuff doesn't matter you can see that rated R movie where the guy cheats on his wife and it somehow makes it look okay. But I'm telling you, it, it matters. It all matters because you cannot unsee something. You cannot unhear Mm -hmm. something once you consume it, it, that stays with you. And I think what we regularly put in, there's like a desensitization that happens. The more and more that you consume media and things like that, And it's so subtle, but it really is significant. And that Mm. was something that I don't think we even realized going into this. And, Mm. you know, it's like that verse in the Bible, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. So if you ever have a question about something, you know, hold it up to that standard and see how it does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're ever unsure you know, those standards have been set in scripture for us and we are called to follow them. You know, I know that we are kind of in this easy culture. Like we want the things that are easy. I think that's why we don't fight for our marriages the way we should. Or maybe we make those compromises of things like, oh, well, that little piece, that's, you know, what's that really going to matter? But then I think the that lie you said at the beginning that the enemy tells us of this can't happen to your marriage. Yeah. There is, I guarantee you, you know, many, many women out there, maybe you've been married for a year or two, and you're like, that will never happen. I'm telling you, pray for your marriage every single day. And even though, you know, we touched on the spiritual aspect of it, but you really got to see the enemy for what he's doing. He really, really hates us. And he really wants to see our marriages do badly. And he wants to see our destruction. We minimize Satan. We minimize the things and the evil intentions that he has for us. You know, we just need to call him for out for what he's doing and recognize that. And that should make us want to armor up even more. So a couple other things that as you kind of, you're fortifying your marriage or wherever you're at, other suggestions that you have on that 
Yeah, so I think specifically as as individuals, I think, you know, the best thing that you can do is to focus on your personal walk and your mm. own spiritual growth. Again, it goes back to that, you know, don't look for your husband to complete you because mm. he's never going to be able to fill that void. That that void is a God-shaped yep. void. Yeah. And he gives us our purpose. That's where our worth comes from. And that's where we find our sense of peace and contentment. So I think that is so important. The more we seek the Lord as individuals, the more we die to ourselves and we can become the wives that God has called us to be. Mm -hmm. Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's a daily discipline. And if you're not already doing that, you know, that needs to be, I think, a number one priority. And that one is so huge, because right now, especially I think for women, it is the constant message of you deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. You deserve this. You are entitled for fill in the blank. But we have as women and culture has done this as well, but put ourselves up on this pedestal almost of worship. Right. And we deserve all of these things. That is nowhere in scripture. Yeah. There's nowhere. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And it's it's denying yourself. It's mm-hmm. becoming less. And it is amazing how brilliantly the enemy has turned that message on its head. Because I think that one plays into destroying marriages in a hurry as well. Just yeah. because we we think we are owed something or that right. we should be, you know, our husband should be doing this for us. Man, that message is shouldn't even exist. Yeah. No, yeah. It is completely opposite. Mm-hmm. I agree. So we talked about what you would want to focus on as an individual, as a couple, something that we started doing that we were not doing at all before was having regular weekly check-ins with one another. Mm. So sitting down, we, for us, we typically do it like on a Sunday at the beginning of the week and it's a, a devotion time, a prayer time. I mean, it's great if you can do devotions together every day. That's awesome. Some people, mm-hmm. you know, with their work schedules and kids and everything, you can't definitely be praying together every day, but having those weekly check-ins and saying, how can I serve you this week? And you're asking this of one another, how can I best show you love this week and love you? And that's going to look different week to week based on what you have going on, circumstances, but that has been so helpful for us in showing one another that you know, you have a different love language than I do, but I want to try my best in this week. Again, it's a daily thing to meet you where you're at and to serve you and to show you that I'm, you know, making an effort to love you in the way that you need to be loved. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. Again, it's that intention and that purposefulness. And it changes. It sets your perspective too, because Chris and I have done this as well, where I have asked the question, what can I do to help you? And that goes back to even Genesis when it talks about like who we are. We are his helper. And everybody, they try to downplay that role and say, oh man, it's a great role. (laughs) It's a great role. And that is what we were called to be. But it's like, it changes your perspective too on how you should even be structuring your day. I'm a checklist person. I like to know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it. But if I start that with how can I be helping you? Well, I've taken what his need is and what he might need. And I put it to the top of the list because that's that's what it's supposed to be. So, but it's a check-in that I need to say out loud just for my own remembrance. Right. And then it does just, it shifts that perspective on it's not, today is not about what I need to get done. 
how can I be serving you? I think right. that's that's such a great example of something that anybody can do. And it switches the perspective for us and for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, having that open and honest communication, again, if you set it up so that it's a weekly thing, some of those conversations have gone in directions that we never would have anticipated mm. and have led us to just more honest, open intimacy, you know, on an emotional level. Yeah. And setting aside that time each week, it's just really, it will strengthen your bond and it will keep those lines of communication open, which I think is really important. Another thing that my husband actually wanted me to mention, (laughs) he did this whole scripture study on, actually, I think it was while I was away at the beach having my time. He did a whole scripture study on how Christ loves the church. Mm. And he just went through the Bible and wrote down every verse he came across, what it said about Christ loving the church, because he wanted to fully grasp how God was calling him to love his bride and what that looked like. And he got so much out of that. And I think that really, again, just shifted his perspective of it's not what I can get from her. Mm-hmm. It's how I'm supposed to be loving her and treasuring her and supporting her. And it really was like a game changer for him. Wow. So if if you have the time and you're, you've never done it, <laughs> that's a great study to do. And I would just encourage you too, if you've never sat down as a couple, and prayed a true prayer of surrender to God over your marriage, I would really encourage you to do that. Just, mm-hmm. you know, arms open wide saying, God, we we don't know where you're going to be calling us in the next mm. decade or decades. Are we supposed to have children? Are we not supposed to have children? How many children yeah. are we supposed to adopt? You know, are you calling us to serve on the mission field? I mean, there's so many things and just praying that prayer of surrender and saying we're we're willing to do whatever you want us to do and be the couple that you've called us to be mm-hmm. i think that is so important and again to pray it with a heart that is truly desiring that so the only other thing that i would say that really was crucial for us was putting accountability into place mm-hmm. and again this is something you can do starting off with your marriage. This is something you can do if you're trying to come back from infidelity or you've had trust issues. That verse in First Thessalonians 4, 7, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And we recognize that we cannot do that on our own strength. We need God's help with that. And, you know, he's also given us an amazing body of believers. Mm-hmm. And to use that to help support us and to keep us accountable. So for my husband, you know, his battle was with pornography. So setting into place, there is a great software, and I'm sure there's many out there, but he used Covenant Eyes, which you just install on your computer. You set up the person, one individual that you want the report to go to. And basically it tracks the websites that you visit and the things that you're looking at. And that for him, you know, he was able to identify one guy that was going to be his accountability partner. He set him up to receive that report and he would check in with him every single week, Mm. whether, you know, there was something sketchy on the report or not. He would just, if if he knew he was traveling, he would text him in the evening Mm. in his hotel room. Hey, how are you doing? How are things going? How's your trip? Are you remaining pure? You know, and I think having that extra check 
in place was really helpful for him. And also for knowing when he felt like he was in a moment of weakness, maybe his thought life was not good. He had someone that he could call Mm -hmm. and say, I'm struggling. Can you pray with me over the phone? Yeah. That is huge. You know, and I think for women, if you have friends, and this is very common, I think nowadays, if you have friends who like to get together, girls night, and it, you know, talk badly about your husband, say, oh, you know, he did this, he did that. I have so many friends who will do, you know, want to, to trash talk their husbands. And I think, you know, those aren't really the kind of friends that you want to be surrounding yourself with. Yeah. If they're willing to let you talk bad or they want to encourage you to talk bad, those aren't the kind of friends you want. I think you really want to seek out the type of other women who are going to be like the iron sharpening iron. Right who are not going to say, oh, you're the victim, you know, you're doing everything right, you deserve to be happy. That's not the message that you need. You Mm -hmm. need to have people who are going to challenge you, who are going to speak the truth in love, who are going to pray with you and pray for you, and who are really going to help you see your husband the way that you should be seeing him and to be speaking of him the way you need to be speaking of him. And that's not comfortable. I mean, especially, no. you know, there's folks that you can have, man, we've been friends for so long, but then they're the ones, you know, yes. that can be that way. And so those are some uncomfortable conversations, but they got to be made or yeah. there's got to be a separation that's made. Yeah, absolutely. It was heartbreaking for me to have to let go of some of those friendships, people that I really loved and mm-hmm. who were even believers. Mm-hmm. But I could recognize that it was it was not helpful for me. And yeah. It is hard. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that we implemented was having 100% access to each other's technology and devices. Yeah. So knowing each other's passwords and something that we, you know, again, this seems like severe, but we had to set up and say, like, at any time, if you're feeling nervous or afraid or the enemy's whispering in your ear and you just feel like, I need to check his phone or I need to check his computer that that was 100% okay Okay. yeah, at any time. And so we have like a a password protected passwords file basically on our computer. And any time we set up a new, you know, app or email or whatever it is, that goes in there. And we both have visibility to that. And we can, we, you know, have an agreement and an understanding that anything can be checked at any time. So not only is that a piece of accountability in and of itself, Mm But also, it's just building trust. Yeah. We have a filter thing on our router at home, and Chris gives, I'm the only one that knows the password for that, because with a filter, you can change, like you can, if you're the, like you're the parents, we have it for our kids, you know, so you as a parent, you can go in and you can delete things and you can, you know, and so Chris just felt like to be very transparent with the boys and go, hey, no, dad's taken this kind of accountability as well, that he made it so he can't even access that to get into it. So it's got to be it's got to be my face ID in order to make that work. So there's lots of things and technology is funny. These are good things even for your kids, too. And I think it's it's really good for them to see this modeled. And like what Chris has done is be transparent about that with your kids. Hey, right. this is what we're doing. I think sometimes we treat technology like, well, there'll be two camps. They'll either be, it's so, so dangerous that you can't do anything. Right. <laughs> or there is the, oh, it's no big deal. You guys are going to be fine. And yeah. it's 
kind of probably more on the dangerous side. Yeah, <laughs> but sure. um, but just to be transparent about what it is, talk about it as a family and as a couple so that all the cards are on the table. We're not trying to hide anything yeah. about that. I think that's really good. I think that's huge. I think that, you know, and like joint checking account too. Like, are, do mm-hmm. you have separate spending accounts? Are you able to hide purchases? You know, mm-hmm. when we were newly married... We did not have a joint checking account initially, and I was famous for like hiding. He wanted me to bring home all my receipts so he could like budget and figure out. Right. And I would like buy a pair of shoes at Nordstrom Rack and hide the receipt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's not, again, it seems like such a silly thing, but really you just, you know, it's that secret keeping and it starts out so small, but it, you know, if you're okay with keeping secrets from your spouse, yeah. it can lead to bigger things down the road. Well, and it's really that scripture too that talks about leaving no provision for the flesh. Yes. Because that's what there's so much of this is, is you just got to have a iron grip on the things that can cause that and can leave us exposed to that. I think that's so good. This has been amazing. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you are I hope you first of all just see the the hand of the Lord and how he has worked in this because it is amazing. I have selfishly I just get excited that I know Kimmy and Ryan and I have seen them walk this battle and oh guys, yes, they are incredible people, but they have just so really magnified the Lord through this. And I think that is what's so amazing. When she said at the beginning that he takes our ashes and turns them to beauty. And that truly is what I I think of when I see this story, because it's not, it's just not something that any man is able to do. We are not able to do this on our own. So the, just the way in which the Lord works is so amazing. But I, you know, we want to wrap up, but I want Kimmy to talk about a little bit, you know, what if you're in the middle of this, you know? If you're in the middle, what do you tell them? Yeah, I number one, first and foremost, we recognized that we really needed help. We needed to find a Christian counselor who could help us work through the issues of unfaithfulness and the pornography addiction. And you know, we we didn't even know how to begin mm-hmm. to work through the trust that had been broken, to learn how to forgive one another. We were just at a loss. It just seemed like, you know, it was Mount Everest. Right. So we thankfully were able to find just a wonderful and amazing man who helped us constantly. I mean, we were probably saw him for a year at Mm -hmm. least on a regular, like Mm -hmm. weekly basis, both individually and then together as a couple. We saw him. And that can be such a battle, like even that part of saying, hey, I need the help part, because you can be walking in this place of like, well, we don't want people to know we're struggling. So to even have that boldness to know that, no, this is a step that needs to be taken. And, And I've said before, you know, check who you go to, especially in this world of even Christian counselors. Sometimes it's so sad to see the people that do not lean on the Bible, do not lean on the Lord's power, but instead will say, oh yeah, you know what? You are justified in this or whatever. So, you know, seek really solid biblical counsel. Absolutely. And thankfully we were referred to him by a pastor in our church and he was just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I know we could not have gotten through any of the stuff that we did without his help. So he was a tremendous instrument of the Lord. And I would say, you know, if you're already in the midst of struggles in your marriage, one of the things that we did when we came back from the beach before every morning, before we even got out of bed, before our feet hit the floor, we would verbally out loud, pray through 
and we ended up memorizing it <laughs> because we did it so much. Pray through the armor of God, that scripture in Ephesians 6. And just as you're praying through it, we would just visualize putting on each piece of the armor mm. and recognize that we were preparing ourselves for the day because Satan did not want us to succeed. And yeah. he was hacked off. <laughs> yeah. When we came back from the beach, he threw everything he had at us. He did mm. not want to see us make it. And we felt that. And we knew, you know, every single day we have got to fight. We are in a war. Yeah. And we, this is a war that we can win because we have God on our side, but we have to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so we would just pray through that scripture every single morning, sometimes in the middle of the day. He, you know, Ryan would come to me and be like, I'm having a tough day. I'm having, you know, Satan is attacking me with these memories and flashbacks and things, and I need to stop right now. And we would do it again in the middle of the day, just whatever it took. Right. For us, that scripture was so important. Mm -hmm. And again, the visualization of it, I think just imagining yourself really preparing for battle yeah. because that's what it is. I think too, something the enemy does is he will try to say, you will be better off if you just if you have this divorce, mm -hmm. if you get into this, you give into it and you just let it go and you don't fight this you'll be better off. Yeah. And what I love about being able to answer to that lie is like I have been saying over and over in this podcast, I've got to watch Kimmy and Ryan. They would not have been better off. Oh my gosh. It and terrifies me to think It's amazing about. to see the life that they have, the ministry they have, just even with being able to, like she was saying, mentor other couples that have been struggling, ways that you've been able to touch people with what the Lord can do through mm -hmm. that story, that's not better off. You know, I mean, yeah, none of that. Yeah. So it's such that lie of just given, you'll be better off. It's just too far gone. Yeah. Just recognize that if you're in that moment, it's a lie. It is not better off. And I, you wait for it because the Lord will restore. And I've yeah. seen him restore so much with you it's guys. It's certainly easier. I will sure. say that it's definitely the easy way out. You know, the divorce would have been the easy way out. It was way harder work <laughs> to fight and to come back from everything, but better off. No, absolutely not. It, it really, we'd say it a lot now. It just terrifies me to think about what my life would look like today mm -hmm. if I had gone through with a divorce. Mm -hmm. It's really scary. <laughs> I don't like to think about it. Yeah, I think what you said is so true. You, I really, anyone listening who, you know, maybe you're the one who has committed the infidelity or maybe your husband is the one who has sinned against you, I want to say that you are never too far gone to mm -hmm. come back. Your sin is never too great to be forgiven if you wholeheartedly repent. Mm -hmm. The Lord can work a miracle. He wants to work a miracle. We have to be willing. Our hearts have to be soft. He longs to rescue us from the things that enslave us. And that's exactly what it is. We're in bondage. Yeah. And I recognize that now looking back, we both were in bondage to our sin. It doesn't matter how many years you've been lit for my husband. It was you know, from the time he was 10 when he was shown pornography. That's a long time yeah. to struggle with something and to be in bondage. It doesn't matter how long God can set you free. And, you know, God really pursued me when I ran away. He forgave me when I was so deep in the pit that I could not see my way out. 
in a lot of ways, I really, I felt like Paul. I thought, I'm like the chief of sinners. Like, I've really done it all here. You know, this is the worst offense. And yet he still chose to redeem us and to Mm -hmm. restore us. I love that passage in Joel chapter 2 where the Lord says to his people, you know, that he will restore the years that the locusts ate because I really feel like that paints such an accurate picture of what mm-hmm. he did for us. And I, I know he can do the same for anyone else who's willing to surrender mm. their marriage to him. And the last thing I would say is just that, you know, if you're in the middle of struggles, your marriage is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. It is worth it to do the work, to put in the effort, to resist, you know, what the world tells you you deserve learning to see your husband the way God sees him, learning to love him like Christ loves him, that is a worthwhile pursuit. Yes, it is hard work. (laughs) Yes, it means submitting and serving and help meeting and sacrificing. But, you know, that's what God calls us to. As wives and as women who are seeking after the Lord, that should be the desire of our heart. Mm -hmm. And when we are obedient, the Lord is so gracious to bless us richly and so far beyond what we could even ask for or imagine. And I think, you know, that's the thing that we don't get Mm -hmm. is that we think, oh no, if I deny myself and pick up my cross, I'm not going to get everything I want. Mm. But when we're obedient to what God calls us to, he gives us so much more. (laughs) And so I would just really encourage you to not give up yeah boy gals even if your marriage you feel like you're like walking in the way that the lord has for you i hope that you'll pick up some pieces of like i could add this let's be praying together let's do that so minimally that but the other thing too i love to hear a story that is a win Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I think so many times we hear stories where these things like that are, are the marriage is just too hard. It's just hard and it ends badly and there's sadness and destruction. It, the, the things that people get torn apart with, uh, with divorce. I remember somebody, I think in our, was our premarital counseling where they, they talked about it like duct tape. And if you put two pieces of duct tape together and if you rip them apart, like neither one is useful. Like they're, you know, and this is not to say if you've been through a divorce, this is not to say that the Lord can't do what it says in Joel 2 and restore and heal. Absolutely. He totally can. And I think this story speaks to that too, because if that was you and you have gone through divorce, you know what that hurt and that destruction, what all of that feels like. But what we get to hear through Kimmy and Ryan's story is that the Lord can absolutely do the impossible he is totally capable of doing the miracles we we limit him we tell him what he can and cannot do sometimes and that what is too hard i get excited that we get to see just the faithfulness of the lord with you guys so thank you for doing this you're a trooper (laughs) thank you guys for joining us for the devoted podcast you can comment you can email me at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com and we'll see you next time Thank you for tuning in to The Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com.